Well, thank you for being with us, Westover, and God bless you. Whether you're in the room or on our online community, it's an honor to have you today. I'm going to invite you to open your Westover app. If you have it, our notes are there. If not, join us in your Bible. And we're beginning a new series, a two-week series. The first part is today. The second part is next weekend. We're going to be talking the next couple weeks on this subject, the truth about. This week, the truth about heaven. Next week, the truth about hell. Two subjects that are very important to us because they're in Scripture and the Bible talks about it. And this weekend we're going to talk about the truth about heaven. Now as we go into the subject of heaven, there's a few myths we need to kind of dispel. One myth is often couched in a story similar to this. Perhaps a joke. Somebody will tell you, you know what, this guy, he died and went to heaven and he was met at the pearly gates by Simon Peter. Well, let me tell you, it's a myth. The first person you see in heaven is not going to be Simon Peter. It will be Jesus, okay? So just let's dispel that to begin with. The second myth, a lot of believers think that in heaven they're going to have wings and halos. Will not happen. The Bible tells us, and the Bible pictures these angelic beings having wings. And we've kind of extrapolated that. If we get to heaven, we're going to be angels. There are angels in heaven. But when we, the redeemed of God, Christ followers, when we get to heaven, we are not angels. Angels are a second class of heavenly beings. The third myth, the third myth is that when we get to heaven... We're going to spend all of our time on a fleecy white cloud strumming a harp. We're going to play angelic elevator music throughout all eternity. That will not happen. Well, Pastor, if that's not going to happen, what is the truth about heaven? We want to address that subject today. I have preached thousands of messages Helping people in the journey to heaven. You have probably heard hundreds if not thousands of messages in your time about how to get to heaven. We're going to talk about heaven today. If you were in Bible school, in seminary, you would be given this classic textbook. This is a textbook entitled Systematic Theology. And systematic theology in the textbook would have all kinds of theological issues that are addressed. This book, for example, has some 400 pages in it. It's in page 399 and 400. They finally get to the subject of heaven and there are two pages about heaven in our theology books. We talk about a lot of other things. Sometimes we don't talk about heaven. And the Assemblies of God, 16 Fundamental Doctrines, the last one is on heaven. We have one doctrinal statement about heaven itself. So today we're going to talk about the truth of heaven. With that in mind, I'm going to invite you to join me. And the scriptures are in the Westover app, if you'll go with me, to Revelation chapter 21. The Bible describes heaven for us. Let's read Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 and following. 
And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, this is God speaking now, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away the tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mo- or mourning, nor, or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, again this is God talking, I'm making everything new. God is in the making new business. I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. The truth about heaven. And I want to share with us today as believers some truths about heaven. The first thing I want to share with us is that heaven is real. Heaven is real. The Bible describes heaven as being real. In fact, it says of heaven, write this down, it's trustworthy, it's true. In other words, heaven is real. It's not a fantasy, it's not pretend, it's not make-believe, it's it's not a story time, It's, it's, it's not a fantasy land. Heaven is real. Now, heaven is a place and heaven is a dimension. Heaven is a place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a place, but it's also a dimension. What I mean by that? It's different from this earth. Now, in this earth, in this dimension, everything is controlled by time. You're already looking at your watch and you're wondering how soon it will be before you'll have barbecue in front of you. You're already timing me. Everything, and you're thinking, i got to get this done today and tomorrow i got to do this. Everything is controlled by a calendar, controlled by time. In heaven, there is no time. It's a different dimension. And the best way I can describe it in your imagination... In your subconscious, in your imagination, when you imagine things, there's no calendar in your imagination. When you begin to dream, when you begin to really conceptualize and, and your heart and your spirit begins to envision things, it's not put in calendar and hours and minutes. It's a different dimension. And so it is. Heaven is both a place and it's a dimension. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Jesus taught us how to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10, we have that statement, Our Father who art in heaven. Heaven is real. Heaven is not make-believe. Get it in your mind. Heaven is a real place. And the Bible says it's trustworthy and true to believe in heaven. Second truth about heaven I want to share with you is upon death, death comes, upon death, a Christ follower. You believe in Jesus? You've invited Christ into your heart. You're a Christ follower. Upon death, Christ followers are immediately ushered into heaven. Immediately we're ushered into heaven. The moment the person breathes their last breath here, they take their first breath in heaven. The moment the person leaves this life, in a twinkling of an eye, in the blink of an eye, in a moment, that quickly They wake up in heaven. They step into the presence of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 7, And the dust returns to the ground, 
it came from. That speaks of our earthly body. That's why we say from ashes to ash, dust to dust. The earthly body goes back to the dust. But notice the last part of the verse. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. The moment the person dies here, the spirit leaves the body. And the spirit is immediately ushered into the presence of God with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 8 says, We are confident of this one thing, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment we leave our body, this earthly house, this, this container called our body, the moment our spirit leaves, we go to the presence of the Lord. John chapter 14, verse number 3, Jesus is going to talk to us about heaven. And he's going to say, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, in fact, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. One version says mansions. And Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I'm going to come and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you will be also. What is that telling us? The moment that we cease to be here, the moment the, that we die, we step into the presence of the Lord. And I would add to that, you don't see Simon Peter. The first person you see is Jesus. I go to prepare a place and I will come and receive you to myself. The first vision, the first face, the first thing you see upon death is you see Jesus with an outstretched hand and he's welcoming you into heaven, welcoming you into glory and so will you always be with the Lord. Now with this, let me just say unequivocally there is no such thing as reincarnation. There is no reincarnation. I'm not coming back as a bug. I've spent 42 years bugging Denise. I'm not going to come back as a bug, okay? There is no reincarnation. Moreover, there is no purgatory. There's no in-between. There's no waiting room. There's no little antechamber. There's no place that you sit. There's no foyer. There's no side room you go to. The Bible said to be absent from the body is what? You go and you're present with the Lord. The moment we die here, Jesus stretches his hand out and he welcomes us into heaven. There is no in-between. In fact, Jesus will tell us in Matthew chapter 25 in one of the kingdom of God parables, he'll say that you've been faithful over a few things. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. He doesn't say, you know, one of these days I'll come get you. Just kind of hang around in the lobby a while. No, he said, enter now into the presence of the Lord. There's no waiting in between. There's no buffering like a computer that you're turning and waiting till finally it uploads. No, you're in the presence of the Lord. And as a pastor, I have had the privilege, and I say that the privilege, I have had the privilege of being with many people when they breathe their last breath here. I've been in in rooms in hospice care. I've been in hospital rooms. I have been there. I have held the hands of people as they are taking their last breath. I've gathered with them. I have been there and have celebrated that last moment on life with them. I was recently with family here in the church and they were called to the hospital and a family member was about to, about to uh, pass away and we were standing around the bed and they were huddled all around the bed. I said, come on, come up over here. And they were holding his hand and just sharing that moment and I was watching the monitor. I had been there many times and I knew what was coming. And then all of a sudden the breaths got more faint and the line 
between the heartbeats were longer and longer. And then finally I watched he breathed his last breath and the line went flat. And I said to the family, he just stepped into heaven. He just stepped into heaven. The moment death occurs here for a follower of Christ, immediately we're ushered into the presence of the Lord. Third truth about heaven. Heaven is filled with joy and celebration. Heaven is filled with joy and celebration. I hear people say from time to time, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God and I'm going to tell God this was unfair and this. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Denise, my wife, she said, when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to sit down by the river of life and just soak my feet for 10,000 years. I just, I, I'm so tired of running around. I'm just going to soak my feet in the river of life. I said, babe, you can't do that. I'm going to drink that water. You, don't, don't be soaking your feet in that water. I've got to drink that water in heaven, okay? When you get to heaven, you're not going to complain about earth. In heaven, there is celebration. There, in heaven, there is celebration. I told Denise before. I told when the day comes and I pass away, I would like it when I'm laying in the casket. Don't put me like this. Put me like this. Yeah. I made it. I'm in heaven. Oh, my. I'm finally. I want to project I'm in glory. There is rejoicing in the presence of God when we step into heaven. Here's what the scripture tells us. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 10. And this verse sometimes is 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 misstated a little bit. Not misinterpreted, misstated. Here's what the Bible says. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And I hear people say from time to time, when somebody comes to Christ, oh, the angels are singing, they're rejoicing. Oh, it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. The angels are not the ones singing and rejoicing, but there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Who is rejoicing? It's every believer that has gone on before. It's your loved ones who have known the Lord. They're in the presence of God. And every time a new person comes to faith in Christ, every time somebody invites Jesus in their heart, they turn around and they start high-fiving each other and saying, another one is redeemed. Another soul is added. Another one's in the family of God. There is rejoicing in the presence of God. And can I tell you, in heaven, they're only concerned about eternal things. In heaven, they're only concerned about eternal things. They're not talking about traffic on 1604. <laughs> they're not talking about the things that go on in this life. They're not talking about your social media posts. They're not going to talk whether your french fries were cold or hot, whether there was enough ice in your tea today. That, that, that's not the stuff that gets that Stuff that we, we get upset over and the conversations, guess what? That conversation doesn't make it to heaven. Only the things concerning eternity, only the things concerning Jesus, concerning our faith, ever make it to heaven. And every time somebody comes to Christ, there is, a, there is applause. I can almost see the saints of God doing the wave, doing the wave as it just ripples throughout heaven. There's rejoicing. In the Bible, there are, in the Old Testament, Ten Commandments. 
Interesting enough, in the New Testament, there are ten Beatitudes. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? In the Old Testament, how to, how to behave. The New Testament, how to be blessed. There it is. Bring them both together. One of the Beatitudes in the New Testament. Luke chapter 6, verse 21 says, Blessed are those who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are, let me interpret it. Blessed are those who in this life, yes, you have sorrows. Yes, there are disappointments. Yes, there are stresses. Yes, there are, there are setbacks. Yes, there are times your heart will be broken in this life. But blessed are those you weep now. Guess what? In heaven, you're going to laugh. In heaven, you're going to rejoice. It literally says, in heaven, when you step in the presence of the Lord, you're going to burst forth into laughter. Yes. Do you know in ancient uh, Christian Greek tradition, the day after Easter was called Bright Monday? Yes. You can look it up. Bright Monday. What is Bright Monday? The day after Easter... They, the believers in the Greek tradition would not do work, would not do regular business and commerce. They set a day aside after the resurrection, after, after the celebration on Easter, for celebration and laughter. To remind themselves that because Jesus rose from the dead, when they get into heaven, there's going to be nothing but joy and nothing but celebration. I want to tell you, you need to have a bright Monday. You need to have a bright Monday. You need to realize the moment we step into heaven, guess what? All of the sorrows and disappointments are over. There will be nothing but celebration in the presence of the Lord. Truth number four about heaven. Let me also tell you, those in heaven, those in heaven, those who have gone before, your lost, uh, excuse me, your, your, your loved ones who have gone on before, those who, have, who know the Lord Jesus Christ and they're already in heaven, the, the, the believers uh, that you've met, the believers in, in, that you've attended their funeral, people in this church, they have already gone on before us. They're in heaven right now. Those in heaven are expectantly waiting for us to join them. If you have a mother, grandmother, brother, brother-in-law, father, if you have somebody in your family that knows Jesus Christ, that knew Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they have passed away in heaven right now, they are expectingly waiting for you to get there. Revelation chapter 6, verse number 10, it says, And the voices cried out, the loud voices, these are the redeemed of God before the throne. They cry out, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth? What is that telling me? They're standing in the presence of the Lord right now. And here's what they're saying. How long, Lord? How long before my grandson will be here? How long, Lord, before my son, my daughter will be here? They're rejoicing. They're in the presence of the Lord. They're expectantly waiting for us to get there. I try to some way to, to br bring a, a, an analogy to that. And any analogy I could come up with seems to just pale in, in significance of portraying the emotion and the experience. And, and I was thinking of an expected mother in week 38 or 39. And she said, I'm so ready for this baby to come. I'm ready to see that baby's face. I'm ready to get past this and have, 
has some decent rest and get comfortable again. There is that moment of which everything else in life to that expectant mother has paled. They're waiting and anticipating the birth of that child. Just multiply that many times. That is your loved ones who have gone on before, who know Christ. They are expecting us, anticipating the day we're going to join them. They're in a better place. They're in the presence of the Lord. They are rejoicing. They have preceded us and they're asking God, when will my loved ones join us here? Number five, truth about heaven. In heaven, in heaven, Christ followers, you know Jesus, Christ followers are in a glorified state. What does a glorified state mean? It's the state Jesus was after the resurrection. He was in a glorified state. Believers that have gone on before, Christ followers that are in heaven right now, they're in a glorified state. They're eternal and celestial. They're in a different dimension. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 53, it says our bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. You see, our re in the resurrected state, we change. We're different. We are in what this, we're in a finite state now, but we're going to be in a glorified state then. In a glorified state, in a glorified state, we don't grow old. We don't have pains. We don't have the, the issues. We don't struggle with things that we do in this finite state. The weakness that we're dealing with now. The, the limitations that we have now, they will not be there in our glorified state. The moment we're translated, we're ushered into the presence of the Lord, we take on a new dimension. We lose the limitations that we're now exposed to. Follow with me. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 and 4. It says there will, be, there will no longer be any curse. Isn't that good news? No longer will there be a curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and the servants will serve Him and they will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. When we get into heaven, the curse is gone. I'm talking about no more aging. No, no, yeah, there it is. Amen. No more aging. No more sickness. No more toothaches. No more backaches. No more income tax returns. Amen. No more traffic. No more diabetes. No more hatred. No more crime. No more terrorism. No more abuse. No more anger. No more hostility. No more broken hearts. No more tears. No death. No separating. In heaven, the curse has eliminated. God has canceled it. And we're going to be in this glorified state. Do you know what will never be in heaven? There will be no Tylenol in heaven. You're never going to have a headache. A word that will never be spoken in heaven is the word ouch. Why? Because you're never going to have a pain. There will be no funerals. There, will, there won't be any of those issues for the curse will no longer be upon them. And then the Bible says that God is going to put his name on your forehead. Everybody gets a tattoo. Yeah. Every believer of Christ, you're going to get a tattoo. 
the other tattoos will wash away in heaven. God says the only tattoo you're going to have is it's going to be my name on your forehead. Hallelujah. Number six, the truth about heaven. Racial identities continue in heaven. Yes. Yes. You continue as God created you, unique and special. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. If you have black skin here, you're going to have black skin in heaven. If, you have, if you're Latino here, you're going to be Latino in heaven. Gloria a Dios. Are you with me? You tracking with me? If you're Asian here, you're going to be Asian in heaven. If you're Anglo here, you're going to be Anglo in heaven. Where is that in the Bible? Thank you for asking. Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9. John said, and I saw heaven. He said, I saw the throne of God. And what did you see? He said, verse number 9. And after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and the Lamb. He saw the people in heaven and he identified them. They were from different nationalities. He saw the throne of God and before the throne of God, there were people with black skin and brown skin and Asian. There were people Anglo. And did you notice it said from every language? In other words, they were worshiping and singing. Some of them were singing in Spanish. Some of them were singing, singing Swahili. Some were singing in English. Some were singing in German. Some were singing all the different native tongues that they had they were raised with their ethnic identity remains when you get into heaven. For you see, heaven is a kaleidoscope of color. God loves variety. God loves variety. You are not a mistake. How you are, how God created you, the ethnic identity you have is a gift from God. And it should be celebrated and it should be reflecting the creativity and the goodness of God. Number seven, <coughs> the truth about heaven. People in heaven continue to learn. This is going to blow some of you away. You continue to learn. You continue to discover. And you continue to receive new experiences. You know, most believers... Most believers think heaven is an eternal church service. Yeah. They think it's going to be an, an eternal sing-along. We're just going to sit around and sing hymns from, from now on. Be on fleecy white clouds. And we're just going to sit there and sing. I think that's why some of you don't sing now. You're saving your voice because you know <laughs> in heaven you're going to have to sing for eternity. Can I just dispel that myth? Yes, we're going to sing in heaven. Yes, there will be times of song and celebration, but in heaven we continue to learn. Do you know the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 2, it says that in the ages to come, speaks of heaven, in the ages to come, God is going to reveal the manifold wisdom of His grace. What does that mean? We're going to get to heaven. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a day in heaven. You say, I get it. I, I never knew that on earth. But it makes sense. I just talked to Abraham. 
And Abraham told me, I wondered all my life why. And now it makes sense. In heaven, we continue to learn. In heaven, we will have assigned responsibilities. That's right. In heaven, we have assigned responsibilities. But not only that, do you know, in heaven, God has some kind of compensation system. I don't fully understand it. You know, the scriptures lay for yourself up treasures in heaven. The Bible talks about our rewards in heaven. Not the reward of heaven. The Bible actually talks about rewards in heaven. Can I tell you? You're going to graduate beyond that minimum wage experience in heaven. God pays well. I don't fully, I, I don't know that I, my heart and my mind can fully grasp that. But the Bible tells us we're going to have assigned responsibilities. It does say this, that we're going to judge angels. Can you imagine that? You and I, as believers, we're going to judge angels. Here's what the, the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 7, verse number 27. It says, and then the sovereignty and power and greatness, notice this, of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. And I read that and I say, wow. All the sovereignty and power and greatness of God is going to be handed over to the people of the Most High. We're going to have responsibilities in heaven. I, I, I don't know that I can fully explain that and conceptualize that. But evidently, there's going to be areas of heaven that you will have responsibility for. And God's going to say, tend to this, what he told Adam and Eve. Tend to this garden and keep it and make it fruitful and make it just abound in the goodness. That's what Adam and Eve did in paradise. And evidently, God's going to restore that. And we will have responsibilities. We will have an assignment there. And God's going to turn that assignment over to us. And it's ways that we can express creativity that we have never tapped into. Now, here's what I believe. I believe every one of us, we're there in our imagination, in our dreams, our prayers, inside of us, there's just something bigger than we've ever experienced on earth. In your career, there's a dream inside of you that is just bigger than you could even imagine. Bigger than any job you've ever got. Bigger than any experience you've ever had. I think embedded in you is this thing of God. This, this, this destiny of God that will only be maximized and activated when we get to heaven. There's something about when we get to heaven. That, that divine, un, uh, untainted and unspoiled imagination will come out and we will express it in a way to bring glory to the Lord. In heaven, we will eat and drink. You know the first thing we do when we get to heaven? When the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise. If we happen to be alive, we'll be ushered into the presence of the Lord. We get to heaven and we sit at a banquet called the marriage supper of the Lamb. We start off by eating. Yes. But the Bible also talks about other places of us eating in heaven. We eat and we drink in heaven. In heaven... You're going to taste recipes you've never tasted here on earth. There are spices. There are fruits that you will eat in heaven. You have never even seen that fruit on earth. Yes. There are fruits that are going to abound. And you're, 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 going, to be, you're going to be just taken by it. And you're going to eat that fruit. 
And you're going you're gonna to celebrate the, and, and catch the aroma of, of meals and fragrance of flowers. There's going to be colors you've never seen. There's going to be experiences you can't even imagine that go beyond your imagination here. We are going to eat and drink in heaven. And I was thinking about that. What are some of the recipes of heaven? I don't, I, am I the only one that thinks about that? I thought about, how about angelic gustata tacos? Uh, yeah. How about Archangel Barbecue? Yeah. Can you imagine the archangels inviting us over to barbecue? And you're never going to have a stuffed feeling. Yes. You're never going to have your wife telling you that you've had enough already. No cholesterol, no calories. I mean, we're in this glorified state. We're going to have real angel food cake. But no devil's food cake, okay? That will be eliminated. In heaven, we're going to eat and celebrate. In heaven, we're going to have friendships. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 8 that we're going to sit down at a banquet table and we're going to talk with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think for a moment. You're going to sit down. And across the table is Abraham, there's Isaac, there's Jacob. Sitting right by you, perhaps Joshua, and sitting next to you is your great-great-great-grandfather you've never talked to. And you have a conversation together. And, and your great-great-great-grandfather your says, I want you to, that's, that's Abraham. We, we, we've been talking for the last 80 years together. We've eaten together already several times. And we're going to have conversation and friendships in heaven. God, I tell you, heaven is a great place. Number eight. Number eight. In heaven, in heaven we only remember good. Isn't that great? In heaven we only remember good. And we will be unable to recount failures, sins, and hurts. Absolutely. In heaven... We're, our discussion is going to be about our obedience to Christ. We're going to talk about the provision of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God, the salvation of God. We're going to talk about the, the, the creativity of God. We're going to talk about the redemption of God. We're, we're going to talk about the sovereignty of God. We're going to talk about the, all the attributes of God. And we're going to meet some of the patriarchs that have gone on before. We're going to be reunited with friends and loved ones who know Jesus who have gone on before. But we will not remember any of the heartbreaks, the hurts, the sins, the wrongs, and the injustices. What will not be remembered in heaven? Divorces. You won't even know it. You can't even recall it. There will be no injustices. You will not remember prejudice. You will not re remember mistreatment, insults. There's no embarrassment in heaven. There will be nothing in your past that has wounded and hurt you that will ever be brought up in heaven. That, that nickname, that insult, that shaming will not be allowed in heaven. When you step into heaven, there is no war. All, all the things that would hurt and wound and weigh upon her heart, they're not allowed. No bad experiences. You will not be able to remember one time the Cowboys lost a game. Yeah. 
you will not be able to remember Kawhi being traded to Toronto. In heaven. It's gone. That's right. It's gone. All the injustice, all the wrong, all the mistakes, all the past, it's gone. Valerie, in heaven, those girls that you're reaching out in the brothels and rescuing them, when they get saved and get into heaven, they're not going to remember one encounter they ever had with a man. There won't be one story they can tell. There's nothing of their past they can even remember when they get into the presence of the Lord. And you know where that's found? Malachi chapter 3, the last book of the Old Testament. Chapter 3. You only think that chapter 3 is good for tithing. If you will read down just a few more verses in that chapter, you're going to discover something wonderful God has established about heaven. And here it is, verse 17, 16 and 17. I'm going to read this slowly because you've you got to capture this. Here's what the Bible says. Then those who fear the Lord, that's you and I, those who fear the Lord, they're going to talk to each other. We're going to, we're going to have conversations with one another. And a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored God. He's going to have a scroll of remembrance. And God says, only these things you can remember. Only these things you're allowed to remember. Everything else will be forgotten and eliminated. You won't even carry the memory of it into heaven. What is it? Verse 17. On that day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. Let me give you an image. As a father spares his son. It's, it's like, father, for just a moment, you're, you're walking your four-year-old. And a vicious dog comes out and starts running, barking, growling his teeth. What do you instinctively do? You step between your child and that vicious animal. Why? You're going to spare them. You're saying that they'll have to go through me to ever get my child. Here's what God is saying. When you get to heaven, I'm going to have a scroll of remembrance. You're not going to remember any divorce. You're not going to remember one time somebody insulted you. Ladies, there are people in this room and a in an earlier moment in life, you were the victim of sexual assault and it has, it has wounded your heart. It has affected your emotions and your trust. In heaven, you will have no memory of that. God's going to wipe it away. God says, I'm going to stand between you and everything that would steal your joy. Anything that would take your song and celebration away, I'm going to step between you and I won't even allow that memory to enter heaven. And somebody else cannot throw it in your face because I've taken it from their memory as well. Because throughout eternity, the only thing you're going to recount is the goodness and the grace and the love of God. And He's going to spare us from all. Isn't that good news? Heaven, you can't remember it anymore. God's going to have a way of just taking that pain. And when he takes out, in Revelation chapter 21 says, his handkerchief of love. And he wipes the tear from your eye. The moment he wipes the tear, so does the memory. 
that tear go away and it will be no more. That's what heaven is about. And today as I close this service, this altar moment has, has a twofold appeal. The first appeal is there are many of us that we're kind of caught in the everyday, and I realize we we got to make a living. We got responsibilities. We got to finish the class. We got to got to get the assignment in. We've got things to do. And some of us right now, you're dreading this week. It's the end of the month. You're thinking about next month, and you're thinking about the rest of this year, and you're just thinking, I've got so many things that are just loading upon me. And here's what I wanna I wanna put in your heart: Colossians three two. Put your mind on the things of heaven and not on earth. Yes, you've got to make a living. Yes, you've got to take care of responsibilities. But don't let earth rob you of the joy of heaven. And all the stuff we worry about, guess what? We're going to be left behind. Much of our prayer life, the things we really pray over, will never get into heaven anyway. Set your heart. Yes, this week there may be responsibilities and obligations, but guess what? Just tell yourself, I'm going somewhere. I've got a destiny. I'm, I'm, I'm journeying somewhere. I've got a hope in heaven. I, I, I've got a blessed hope I'm going to. And it's not here. I've got something better. And I want to encourage your heart. Don't be so caught up in the cares of this life. It distracts you from the, the destiny of heaven. Number two, there's some of us, we don't have full assurance that if our life ended anytime soon, we absolutely know that we would go to heaven and we would be with the Lord. And if you don't have that full, absolute assurance, I'm going to give you a chance to, to know Christ today. Perhaps you've been on a journey of faith. You've been getting closer to the Lord. You believe in God, but you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior. It takes knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior for you. See, what gives us access to heaven is knowing the Lord. What gives us access to heaven is not our good deeds and paying our taxes. It's knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. And some of us, perhaps we've drifted from God. Perhaps we've got distracted intentionally or unintentionally, but the Holy Spirit is calling you back to Him to renew perhaps to make a commitment of faith for the very first time. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. So across this auditorium, balcony, and main floor, I'm going to invite you right now to bow your head and close your eyes. Why do I do this? Because at this moment, you have a private audience with God. It kind of blocks everything out for a moment for you to focus on just your heart and what God has for you. And I ask you the question now, the most important question you've ever been asked in your life. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And if you cannot say, absolutely, I have committed my life to the Lord, I have turned my life over to the Lord, you're going to raise your hand and the count of three. If you, if you can't say, I am absolutely certain, you can do that today. You can settle this most important question today. If you want to know Christ on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and I'm going to lead you in a prayer to know Jesus. So here it is, balcony main floor. Here's your moment. Do you want to know Christ? One, two, three.
just raise your hand. Yes. All over this auditorium. Yes, in the balcony. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Then raise your hand and you know you should. Just lift your hand right now. Lift your hand right now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what I'm going to ask. And I do this for a reason. But I'm going to ask you to do this, not to single you out. If you're on the main floor, you raised your hand. I'm going to ask you to just stand up from where you're at. If you have your purse with you, just bring it with you. But I'm going to ask you to just come forward and stand with me right here in the front. We're going to pray together. I want to pray with you. I'm not singling you out. We're not, not, we just, we want to, we want to minister to you. We want you to join us in the front for this prayer. You join in the balcony. I'm going to just simply ask you, raise your hand. Would you just stand? stand. I'll, I'll include you in this prayer as you stand. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You raise your hand. Just join me in the front right now. Just join me in the front. In the balcony, just stand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mom up there with the baby in her arms. Thank you. You join me. Thank you. Just join me. If you're in the balcony and you're, you're standing, if you can just direct your heart and your attention here for a moment and here in the altar, if you'll allow me. God intends that every one of us be a part of his family. And he has, he has gone the length. He, is, he, he has stretched out his heart to us. In Jesus Christ, God has extended his heart to us. Jesus has done the work what we need to do is receive Christ into our heart. When we receive Christ into our heart, what we're really doing is giving our spirit back to God who gave it. We're, we're reconnecting with the Lord. And God has made this so, so clear to us. It's as clear as A, B, C. A, I have to acknowledge I need God. When you came to church today, you satisfied A. You're saying, I need God. You're already there. B, I must believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only Son. When you stood up or when you walked down the aisle, you satisfied B. You said, I want to serve Jesus. So we're already at B. There's just one more left. C. And that is confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. You, you say, that, that has to be more to it than that. If, if mankind was in charge of, if the assemblies of God were in charge of, can get, there, there would be 80 ways, there would be 80 rules. But it's the gospel that's saying, you ask. And if you ask, God's going to honor it. When you ask, God's going to give you. It's a gift. He gives you the gift of himself. And that asking is no more than just repentance. God, forgive me and come into my heart. I can't do it for you. But you can do it for yourself. And God will hear that. And I want to pray with you. So I'm going to invite you. You're standing in the balcony. On the main floor here. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads now. And I just want to tell you, there's no secret formula 
It's just calling upon the Lord from your heart. And when you call upon the Lord, God's going to honor it. And I'm going to pray a prayer similar to what you should pray. You don't have to say my same words, but it comes from your heart and your spirit. And it's simply this. Dear Jesus, I come to you. And I, I invite you into my heart, into my life. Although I don't understand it, but that's what you said to do. I ask you to forgive me. I'm not going to be able to list all my wrongs, my mistakes, my sins, but I don't have to. But I just ask you to forgive me. And I invite Christ to be my Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only Son and Savior of the world. I commit my life to Jesus today. And from this moment on, I want to serve the Lord. I know I'm not perfect, but I don't have to be. But I will put my life into God's hands. And as I put my life into God's hands... that prayed that prayer for everyone that prayed that prayer I'm going to ask you just to just to text two words new life if you will the number on the screen will come up if you will just text two words new life we will communicate with you we'll begin a process of just encouraging we want to we want to put some stuff in your hands. We want to encourage. We, we want to. We want to nurture your faith walk. Okay. We want. We want to. We want to make this thing work for you, and God's going to make it work for you. And I want to tell you, God's word, the Bible, gives us a promise: Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to ask the prayer team. They're handing something out to you. It's just a gift to take from us. It's a Bible, and an eight-minute a DVD. I'll explain in detail in Scripture what the commitment you just made to the Lord today. Thank you for your commitment to the Lord. God bless you and welcome to the family of God. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. You're dismissed.